All right, we're back, as promised. Rick Pitino in studio for the next hour. He has a book coming out today, Rick Pitino, My Story, with uh, Seth Kaufman. It's no secret. Forward by Jeff Van Gundy. Now, they gave me the book about two months ago, so I've had a chance to go over it and read everything. And basically, it's Rick's story. Not only – and there's a forget the – incident that we'll get to, which is what the book is about, the motivating factor to write it. Rick also depicts his whole life, starting with his days coaching in his 20s and taking you through and tells a lot of interesting stories anyway about his coaching career, which obviously is legendary and tells some, you know, very interesting. And from a basketball standpoint, you'll like it from that and also gives you a very Real, real look behind what really goes on in college basketball because uh, that's a big part of, of all the stuff. And he's making the rounds right now. As we said, the book came out today. Rick, welcome. How are you? I'm great, Mike. You know, um, this has been a, I'm sure, a very different year and a tough year. How has the year been for you being away from a team for so long, you know, for the first time and, and doing the different things and now making the rounds with the book? Well, you know, you stepped away from it your business for five months. Yeah. Yeah. And what happened to me was really difficult. 41 years in the game, same routine. You get up at five 30, you exercise for a half hour until six, you stop at Dunkin' or Starbucks, you get your coffee, you're in the office at six 45. And then I did something that was different than just about every coach. I, I coached not better, but different. So I did something with player development that was unique. So from 8 o'clock to 8.45, I take four players, Donovan Mitchell, three other guys, and I work on their shot, their three-point shot, their ball fakes, their one-on-one moves, their ball handling, their passing. Uh, Very little defense, all offense. Then 9 o'clock to 9.45, the next four, post players. Then the next, uh, from 10 to 10.45, the next group. 12 o'clock, I I exercise. 1 o'clock, I have my staff meeting. 3 o'clock, we get ready for practice. We watch film, go to practice, make my calls between 6 and 7, and I go home, pass out. <laughs> you know, you bring up that because that's a big part of this whole incident and the incident that you got swept up in, the whole uh, sting operation, the whole thing that went on uh, with the FBI, uh, get them getting into college basketball and really making a, what was a splash for like a day and then it kind of went away, but we'll get to that. But that plays into it because you not only have had great results and have had a legendary career, but you are very much more so than a lot of coaches, very big into individual player development. You, you're very big on your players conditioning, very big on, you ask a lot of your individual players, right? Well, I go after guys. I don't go after one and dones. And it's not because I don't like one and dones. It's just that it wasn't my thing. Coach K and Cal have done a remarkable job with that. How they get, those young guys that play defense is beyond me. Cal does a good job of getting the guys all all to play unselfishly, they, amazingly they for buy, a bunch of stars. They buy into it, and and I just did. I wanted guys like Rogier, Gorky Zhang, Donovan Mitchell. I wanted guys that or a Billy Donovan as an yeah, example. Yeah, Russ Smith. Right. He was a three-star player from Archbishop Malloy. No one in the Big East. Seton Hall, St. John's. No one recruited him. And when I first saw him, I was I was doubting Thomas as well. Ralph Willard convinced me to take him. Uh, freshman year, he didn't play. Wanted a transfer. Dad called me. He owns a barbershop here in Harlem and said, Rick, is he ever going to play for you? I said, he's going to have to change. He's going to have to learn good shot versus bad shot. He's going to have to learn discipline at the defensive end. But, yes, I do think he'll play. Mike, he ended up a first-team college All-American yeah. 
and won a national championship, played in two Final Fours, and averaged 61 points a game in China last year. So, you know, it's just a different scheme. Both ways work. Yeah. Uh, well, your Kentucky team that won at the Meadowlands had a lot of talent. Yeah. That team was a talented Seven team. Seven NBA players. Yeah. My 13th man was Nazi Mohammed. Yeah, you had 17. a good team. You had a very good <laughs> yeah. That was a great team. Yeah. My, I really believe that that second unit at Kentucky could have won a national championship. Really? Wow. I mean, you, you come in with Ron Mercer, Mark Pope, Wayne Turner. Uh, Derek Anderson was in and out as a starter. Uh, it was a great team. Right. And Mayor's friend's a guy you stay close to all these years, right? We've been in business. He's business. a business guy. He's done very well in business, right? We're, we're in business oh, together. Oh, you still are? Okay. 32 years together without an argument, Is that unbelievable, yeah. huh? Car dealerships, is that what it is? We own um, four different car dealerships. We own uh, a lot of other business ventures. The only thing I didn't get into with him was Papa John Pizza. <laughs> yeah, which came back to be a big... <laughs> and I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> right. A very big, came back to be a... Uh, a not, not my favorite guy, as a matter of fact, but for different reasons. Going back, I got on him for kissing Peyton Manning, and he wouldn't talk to me after that, which I couldn't care about. But, I mean, he got as a sponsor, he got really annoyed because I made fun of him about... The first guy Peyton Manning kisses is Papa John. I mean, how ridiculous is that? But he turned out, obviously, to be a, a factor in this whole Louisville thing. You know, the interesting thing, and, and, and that's really the motivation for the book, but the reason, Rick, is it, because I asked this and I thought this, is it to come back to coach, to kind of clear your name to coach? Is that what the motivation is? The motivation writing a book was to put closure on a career. I, I, I believe— Do you uh, want to coach? I don't. You don't? Uh, I, okay. I did. I did last year okay. desperately. And every time the two people offered me mid-major jobs, the one I wanted called the NCAA and said, look, can we— can you give us clearance on Rick Pitino? And they said, no, we, we haven't been able to investigate because the Southern District of New York and the FBI told us we can't investigate until their investigation's over. So, you know, I, I reached out to NBA teams and, and you know, you can see what they're thinking, Mike. Hey, this guy may be in the middle of the season, might get indi- indicted. They put such a cloud over me uh, with, with Coach 2. Think about this. They're, they weren't allowed to name me. So what they do is they say, Coach 2, Laranaga's coach another number. Right. And so then they Miller, say, whatever. and Coach yeah. 2 coached at a school with a population of 22,100 people. Right. Boy, it was really hard for second graders <laughs> to figure out who that was. Right. <laughs> so it, here they are. And really, this whole thing starts. Now, everyone wondered why the FBI got into this. The FBI gets into it because there is a Wall Street scam that comes down, and the guy who they pinch says, hey— I got something that's ready-made for your, you know, your FBI. What do I get? What comes off my sentence if I give you a ready-made thing? Which is how we all heard this thing started. He drops it in the FBI's lap. The FBI then goes and wiretaps guys. I've had coaches tell me they knew they were being wiretapped. Wow. Guys who didn't come up in this thing, who told me they actually knew they were being wiretapped, who they didn't even use. So this whole thing starts really out of Wall Street. So, I mean, that's how this, because they weren't, what would make the FBI think about college basketball anyway? It's not something they're going to go after. Well, one thing, I've never been on a wiretap because they have to let you right. know. I've never, I wish I was actually. When this all broke, the first thing my lawyer told me to do is, look, he has a guy that investigates for him who's an ex-FBI agent and he teaches, he teaches all over the United States uh, about, about, um, Lie detectives. Right. And that's his main thing. He's an FBI agent that specialized in giving uh, those to- those type of things to-, to criminals as well as innocent people. Right. 
So he said, do you want to take it? I said, polygraph. I said, 100%. He asked me two important questions. Did you know anything or have any involvement with Adidas doing what they did? Absolutely not. Did you have any involvement with Bowen and giving him any inducements or money or this guy Dawkins? Absolutely not. And I passed the polygraph. Here's the interesting thing. They go to New York. One of my attorneys, Mark McCasey, who's here uh, uh, in town, a uh, terrific attorney. Uh, his dad was the U.S. attorney for George Bush. And an ex-U.S. attorney, uh, Marcos Jimenez from Miami, who I got from a friend of mine named Pitbull. Right. <laughs> and they went in with the FBI agent who gave me the polygraph. And they brought him in because the FBI was going to be there. And he said, look, you blew up this man's life. He's taken a polygraph. He's had nothing to do with any of this. And, you know, what do you have to say for this? You blew up the man's life and family. Their response to prosecutors, we deal with collateral damage all the time. Collateral damage. damage. And that's in the book. And when he, when he reported back, that back to me, I was so incensed, so upset. But, you know, when I think of the job of the FBI and the U.S. attorneys, they're to arrest criminals and inside traders and terrorists and and opioid uh, people that, that are passing drugs around the United States and killing people. That's what I, I think of when I think of prosecutors and, and the FBI. Not dealing, this is four years of what, this started in 2014. So now here they come, and now the trial goes in September. What did I have? Four assistant coaches, a runner, an AAU coach who kept the money, <laughs> and he gets exonerated. Did, I wonder if he ever gave it back. We don't even know. <laughs> no. But that's what, they're, that's what they're dealing with today after all this. No head coaches. Not one head coach. Or maybe it's going to happen. Now, I don't know. I don't know if it is or not. But here's the thing, Rick, and this is what I thought, and you can tell me. And then, you know, some of it came out. I don't even know because you cooperated with this book, which I just got today. Someone sent it over here today. The Last Temptation of Rick Patino with Michael Sokolov. And you, you're in the, quoted in this book. Yeah, uh, I don't yeah. know why they, they yeah. went with that, that title. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was, I mean you, but you did talk to this guy. I know you did. Yeah, he wrote. Because I looked at it today while I was reading it before I came in. And, he wrote two motivational right. books with John Calipari. Right. So he, you're in that book, and you're quoted in there. So he about about this incident. Here's what I take from it: the reason you're not at Louisville right now is two things. One, it was the second scandal, which the other one was the whole thing with the uh, Andre McGee strip teases and the and the hookers or whatever right. they were doing. I don't know how many. They never even said exactly how many times they met. Ten, fourteen. Who know? I don't even know if you four know. Four times a year. Four times a year. Okay. Okay, so that, and number two, it seemed like just reading your book and then in between the lines in this one that I got a chance to read like 40 pages today, that maybe Louisville was tired of you and EAD, that maybe that you were fighting with the trustees and there was, that someone was looking to unload you guys finally from, they weren't happy with the way you guys were running that program. Not that you weren't doing well, but maybe there was a power struggle there, but how much do you think it was the fact that this was the second big scandal in a short amount of time? Well, if, if the Southern District of New York doesn't put my complaint along with Jim Laranega, who's an innocent guy, got an extension for two years. Right. If they don't put my name in there, I'm coaching a Final Four team in my belief last year. But they did. They put my name in there. With not a shred of evidence, no wiretaps, nothing at all, except some scam artist saying that, We'll get Rick Pitino to get more money. He never asked me. He never even had a conversation. 
it would have been lights out for him if he ever did mention that type of thinking. But he never did. So he's just false bravado in front of the FBI. Now, why did they, why did they put my name in there? Because it sensationalized it. That's exactly. What, no question. If they, if they have a but press conference you, with four assistant coaches. Do you think you would have survived it oh, if, the other one, if the other one hadn't oh, happened? Yeah, 100%. I'm ready to coach the team that year. We're ready right. for practice. But, I mean, forget what, what even putting your name in it. If that had been the only one, if the first one hadn't happened, do you think Louisville does anything to you? Well, it's not Louisville. The governor squashed the entire board of trustees, which was against the, le- the new legislature. Republican Party had to approve it. Because they came out and said, no, you can't do that. You can't fire the trustees. So they fired all the trustees who were loyal to the athletic director. Right. Not necessarily to me, right. but to well, the both AD. Of you. Both of you. Yeah. And then they bring in a whole new trustees, Papa John Papa being John. one of them. Right. Right. None of them. There's only two people out of the 12 or 13 that are season ticket holders loyal to the University of Louisville. And they said, okay, the next screw up with anything to do with Patino, he's gone. What I don't understand is why they fired Jurich. He had nothing to do with I think because he was tied to you more than anything else, I guess. Well, he, you know? and, he was, and he defended you, which yeah, he did. He, he was a pretty loyal guy. He had your back, that guy. He was and pretty Mike, good. And Mike, so did right? two presidents. Right. They both stood up in front of the media. Dr. Pinto is now the president of Cincinnati and said, we are behind Rick Pitino 100%. He had no knowledge of anything that went on in that dormitory. And then the other guy who turned against me at the end, but... He said he got up in front of the NCAA Infractions Committee and said, Rick Pitino knew nothing. We've investigated this to the hilt. He knows nothing about that. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not responsible. I am responsible. That's really the thing, Rick. And that's what, you know, when when people talk to me about this, they say, hey, Rick can say whatever he wants. These are his guys. They work for him. You had one kid who worked for you who... Um, and I still don't understand how no one there knew that there were hookers coming in and out of the schools. I, and, and that no one wrote about it on social media. No one it's bragged amazing. about it, that they were fooling around with a hooker. Nobody, you know, like kids would or, you know, that, there's, that amazes uh, everybody. It, it, blows, that, it blows me away. Right, and, and we know about Billy Minotti and how close you were to Billy. And he's, we all know the story. So I agree with you. I know what that, that building means to you and your family. We all understand that. We know you. But... Here's the part where people say, hey, Patino just got to own up to this. You hired the two guys who messed up. They're your guys. You're responsible for those no guys, which you admit. That. But what, what, what went wrong in your organization? You wrote a lot of success books that did really well, a lot of them, after your championships. What went wrong as the guy who's in charge of the organization twice to have these two guys messing up? In a short span of time. Right. But when you coach, it's, it's almost like this. Growing up. I admired two coaches, and they weren't in basketball. Actually, three. One was in basketball. If you said to me as a young coach at Boston University or an assistant coach at Jim Beheim, who are the three people you admire the most in the business? One is, being an Italian-American, one is Vince Lombardi. Right. The other is Joe Paterno. Right. Because of his humility, because of the way Lombardi coached, and the other was John Wooden. Right. After finishing Seth Davis's book, you 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 say John wait knew. a second Sam Gilbert no John no yeah he, he definitely no there's knew, no question but, he knew. but that didn't take away from my affection well, I know for it's, him. Co- it's coaching yeah. he basically said I'll handle this part and, and J D Morgan I think his name was and Sam will handle that part ex- I mean Sam knew Bill Walton was over that house having parties and driving and his he, cars and John went to the AD and said look I've got a problem with right. this and the AD said Leave John. Alone. I'll handle Sam, you handle coaching. Right. So So does that make him a hypocrite to you? 
No, it's not necessarily a hypocrite. But he knew what was going on. But we're all imperfect people. I'm not imperfect by hiring those two gentlemen. I'm imperfect for what I did to my wife and family. That's an imperfect person. That's... That sticks but, you, but John Wooden knew that there was that part of his program. He knew that Lucius Allen has a problem, he goes to Sam Gilbert. If Bill Walton has a problem, he goes to Sam Gilbert. And then he comes out and gets them on the floor, and they go 30-0. and 0. I mean, we know that. He knew that. You didn't know this kid was doing this. You know, when you coach for 40 years. Right? Like, you, tell me you no, didn't know, right? What? Mike, I'll put my hand on right. the Bible. And, and, the, and the guy nothing. made the point that this is right down the hall. He made the point in the book that this is right down the hall from his from his office. Now, I've never been in your office no, it, at Louisville. It, I mean, well, he's yeah. lying there. Right. I, I haven't read that book, but right. he's, it's not right. That it's it's a mile away from my office. OK, a mile. I said to Mike Golick one time and Mike and Mike, I said, Mike, how many times did your college coach, whoever was at Notre Dame, go in your dormitory? He said, never, never. No question. So I'm supposed to know. Security didn't know. The same guy, I, I went after security. He said, Coach. How are they, they so good at this, these guys? Well, they said they dressed up. It's in that book. Right, that, that, right, right. They, they dressed said up, they dressed like, up college like college girls. kids. But they were then, pretty shrewd. They and were, then they yeah. stuck. Now, remember, Billy Minotti's children and my nephews lived on the same floor with Andre McGee. I didn't know. And they said, Uncle Rick, don't you think we'd be in? All my managers, my assistant coaches, say they knew nothing about it. And here's the bottom line. Why? Why? I, I say, because I love Andre McGee. He, now, I don't love what he did, right. but he's, he was a, a hard-working captain, did everything right, Dean's List student, got his master's degree. I, I would love to know why he did this. Was, it, was somebody blackmailing him? Was somebody making him do it? Because we weren't going to get any recruits. All we were going to do is lose recruits with that type of behavior. Right. Now, what about the second kid? What do you think? What, what about the second kid? Now, I say in the book, I'm more upset at him, right. even though his is not as bad. He... He walked in a Las Vegas room, saw an envelope, and got the hell out of there. Uh, he, he figured that one out quick. But I told him every single day in meetings, don't think about jaywalking. This guy, John Schnott, is after me and the AD. Don't get out of hand. He was told. He, he knew not Did to you cross think that, that you line. Did you ever think you got set up? Yo, he definitely got set up. He no, do you ever think they do got set up? That they were setting you up? No, with no, this I don't kid? think. No, I don't think that he was definitely not doing that. Okay, he he's not a bad person. Okay, he's young. I hired him because he coached Oldsmar Christian Academy. I checked him out with ten different people. Good Christian coached these guys, but the reason I hired him was he was older and he had the players living in his house. He had to cook food, watch over them. So I thought he was the perfect guy. And I vetted him out, and everybody said great things about him. And he is, I don't think he's a bad person. I think he just got in the wrong room at the wrong time. Let's be honest, though, Rick. We all know this. This is a dirty business. You guys got college basketball has become a dirty business. College football has become a dirty business. When, when there's billions of dollars out there, and there is now in these sports, and these, these stupid rules they don't work. Let's be honest. These rules were made when they were when when basically nobody was paying anything. Now you got companies paying millions and billions of dollars. These are marketing huge companies, Nike, Adidas. They're worldwide companies. Look what they did today, Nike, with Colin Kaepernick around the world. These are major companies putting. Huge amounts of money in there. You even talk about it. We know what the AAU has done. We know what Nike ABC did. Everything changed. We all know it. And as Frank Martin is quoted in the book as saying, if people don't think the rules are being broken every day, they're out of their minds. They are. We all know they are. So 
people can't be shocked by any of this, even if it did happen. But you state that you never, ever cheated to get a player. You never once broke a rule to get a player. Honestly, I never gave a player five dollars. Or, or offered any money. I, have players I say, ever put their hand out? Did you only one time in my coaching career. Ever did a player ask you for money? Not a player. Okay. A dad. A, a dad. Only ask, one ask time. me. In all the Ralph, years, only one only time. One, and Ralph Willard was downstairs with the family. Okay. I, I stood up. I said, sir, um, you, you obviously don't know what I stand for. I'm not risking my future to give you money. Shook his hand. He went down and got his family. Ralph can attest to the story. I want to say the person's name. It's of no consequence. Right. Doesn't um, matter. Yeah. And, and I do believe, though, Mike, I do believe this. It's less than 10% of our business. I do believe that. For instance, I don't think Coach K. Well, the bigger guys don't have to cheat. Exactly. That's the biggest. The biggest guys don't are the ones who are going to do less cheating. Exactly. There it is in a nutshell. But, but I do think Mike Bray in Notre Dame, I don't think he cheats one bit. No, I think this guy, and Bob Knight never got a play, bought a player in his life. He would never do something. We know what he, we know some guys, but. Jay Wright of Villanova. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't believe, and, and you're right. They, they make so much money. Right. They have, and shoe, it's not the shoe industry that's wrong. It's what they feed to other people in a very competitive environment. If they well, now say, you got people who are brokers. Players are like money now, so you got people on the lane in the ch- who are trying to make money along the way, broker and players. If I say to you, uh, Mike Francesa, you're running a, a team in Queens, AAU team, and here's $100,000 for your traveling expenses to pay your coaching ability, and if you make the EYBL finals, I'm going to pay you more next year. Gotcha. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to try everything in your Bingo. power to get the best players in Queens and New York Bingo. to make your team stronger. Right. And if you go into a program and you, and the guy says, listen, fill my building and get in the NCAA tournament, wait a second. How am I going to bring people here? I'm not a famous coach. And how am I going to bring them to Oshkosh? Well, you know, it's hard to do. But you yeah. go out and you do it. And, and guys like me, I'm at Louisville. I'm at Kentucky. I don't have to cheat. Oh. I'm at Providence College. I, you know, I'm getting Billy Donovan and Pop Lewis and Dave Kiffer and Yasek Duda. We went to the Final Four by doing it But the even right then way. was a different time than now. Yeah, it's, it's the much money different is now. enormous now. It I, really I went, is. When I recruited back then, I went into the home of every recruit. I, I bet in the last five years I haven't been in 5% of the homes. Meet at the school, AAU coach there. If the high school coach wanted to be there, maybe an entourage and that's it. That's a different brand of recruiting. How bad the and, – and a lot of this book is about the story of the corruption. He's basically saying how widespread the corruption is. Do you think there I, is I, widespread I think, money I think being spent on players? I think he's wrong. I think it's sensationalistic. It sells books. But I say in my book, I think it's less than 10%. Less than 10%. I'll take the entire ACC. And I don't know one coach in the ACC that knowingly cheats. Now, he may break a rule – Without knowing it, but he's not giving anybody money. He's not. He's not giving money. You think a car is cheating? Yes. Oh, without. Oh, question. you think so? Okay. Oh. By, by the way, if you give a car to a, an athlete, right. They're finding out. They're finding out. I mean, every. You don't think the kids are on Twitter saying, "Hey, what's his name's driving this car?" I have to admit, Rick, through the years, you know, I did games for CBS. I saw some players driving some pretty good cars. Not, I'm not saying in your school, but I saw some schools where I, I'm not going to say what schools, just because it's not fair. And some of the coaches aren't even alive anymore. But I saw some players driving some pretty nice rides, you know, back and forth to school after practice. Well, you know, what happens is the parents, or if, the, if a great or the player, agent or gets involved. Well, the parents right? know. They go out and take Are they allowed to lease a player a, a car? No, an but agent? They, they know their son's going to be a pro. Right. So they good go guys, out, right. Yeah. They go out and they spend the money. Um, Would you frown on that as a coach if your players, your star players, driving around in a fancy car? I haven't had any players. Look, first thing, 
when somebody came to me and said, well, such and such is driving a, a great car. I said, what do you mean driving a great car? I immediately checked it out. Right. I called the parents and said, yeah, we feel he's going pro. Okay. Uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell drove a nice car. Right. It wasn't, wasn't fancy. Right. His dad works for the Mets. It wasn't gotcha. fancy, but he had a car, nothing fancy. And I didn't expect him to go pro as a sophomore, uh, but he did. And uh, it turned out pretty good. <laughs> So, hey, oh, listen, turned out un- shocked every one of us. I mean, stunned us, as a matter of fact, how you know, good I he was. You know, I told the, uh, a couple people from the Knicks, I said, look, he can play the point. Uh, he worked his butt off to improve his jump shot. We used to put a split screen with Steph Curry and him next to each other. And I, I said, Donovan, and he, he came in a freak athlete who couldn't shoot. I said, Donovan, you got to shoot at a big rim, son. And you, you're not going to have Steph Curry arc, but you've got, here's your arc, here's Steph's you got to get halfway to his point. And he worked his butt off to become a really good shooter. You know, uh, we're talking with Rick Pitino. His book comes out today. Uh, obviously, uh, there's a lot going on in Rick's life, and there has been. What put, For the fans who have been watching you all these years, and then they see these, and I'm not getting, you know, they, he lumps the third scandal in, which I'm not getting to, which was a personal thing. It had nothing to do with basketball. It had to do with you. You went through with your family. It was a terrible ordeal with the extortion thing, but that had nothing to do with basketball. The two things that happened to you as a coach, what what do you say about that as the guy who's running that program? What, what, well, how, how, do you, how do you put that in perspective? I'm responsible, no question about it. And and in this book that I wrote, it, it, it I take ownership for that. But, Mike, I knew nothing about it. Nobody, half my team, the championship team, who lived in that dorm, Luke Hancock, Stephen Van Trees, they're all on record with the NCAA. Yeah. And by the they way, are. The, I saw, I read the book. And He's the NCAA there, yes. only gave me a slap on the wrist. They gave me five games, which I would have won in the appeal. Right. And I don't, if Tom George and I, I firmly believe this, are at that appeal, I don't think they take that championship down. Because how do you take a championship down? Well, excuse me. You can't erase a championship. You take a banner down. Right. The championship but still lives in everybody's heart. But right. how, do you, uh, how do you take a banner down for guys watching a strip show or having sex with a person? Okay. I mean, these kids didn't have to do they. I mean, they're college kids. Uh, that, that's not a performance-hancing drug. They didn't cheat on an exam. How do you take down a banner for that? Is it reprehensible behavior? No question about it. But it had nothing to do with it on the court. Hey, let's be honest. In the things that we see in the world today, it's not like at the top of the list. And let's it's not a performance. It. Right. It's enhancing. That, you know, right. So not, you're saying that's an extra benefit? That's why you take yeah. down a banner? No. that I mean, the question was, if that was done to recruit players, then I can see the NC getting upset. If it's players just reading rec- recreational, I don't think it, it, it's, it's yeah, really that, that, that big that a deal. That had no bearing on recruiting of those right. players. No. Right. Absolutely. But that was, you know, that's where it was first portrayed that this was kind of a recruiting tool. Or yeah, something. and how about this? The school has to suspend Montrez Harrell and Chris Jones because they wouldn't speak to the NCAA. Montrez is not a trusting person. He didn't want to speak to the NCAA. He had nothing to hide. He didn't want to. School suspends him four years. You can't come on campus. What did he do wrong? Now, the NCAA says that they did not have any. The guy you did talk to from Adidas, they said they had no audio of you talking to the guy, but they had documents that proved that you talked to the guy. Well, they come out on they three say, different times, yeah, right? Yes. Ready? But they don't say this, Mike. Here, right. Here's the interesting thing. They say, uh, the FBI says, I spoke, right. two voicemails. Two voicemails. He and calls what, me, and I, they don't say that, though, in right. the complaint. They said there's three communications. Yeah. The third one, right. he calls me and says, right. I turned over everything to the Washington Post. Right. 
He, the third one, he says to me, which they admitted, they yeah. said that, they, and they said there was no documentation that you had done anything wrong in, in what they saw. The third one, he comes to me and says, "You recruiting this kid, Bowen?" I said, "Yeah." I said, that, "We're going to lose Donovan Mitchell. I, I'd like to have him." Uh, he says, "Good. Well, I'll put in a good word. I know some friends of the family." That's what he says to me. It's a less than two minute conversation. Then he calls me back and leaves a voicemail. I already had the kid, by the way, when he called me. I already had him. I knew I had him. Nobody else was recruiting him. So he leaves a voicemail. Hey, congratulations. I, I, I saw you got the kid. Well, what person is going to pay 150000 calls and congratulates you and says, um, congrats, that's, that's great news that you got him? I mean, think about that. So, you know, it's, it's he knew, Jim Gatto knew, as well as everybody else, that if I knew anything was going down, everybody was in big trouble. You, where are you now with your lawsuits? Are they, where are they now? Well, you, you have a lawsuit against Adidas, right? Yes. Um, it's, it's, it's gone to a different, uh, we're probably going to wind up. Uh, they want an arbitration, right? Is yeah. That, so right. I don't, I don't know where it stands okay. right now. I'm more concerned with Louisville. What about your lawsuit against Louisville? Louisville. It's still pending. But you didn't ask for your job back. You just asked for money, right? You just asked for your salary. You didn't contract. ask for your money. You want your money. You didn't, oh, you I don't want to coach there. If they, if they would have given, I told them at the time, I said, let me coach this year. Right. I'll forfeit the rest of the contract. But let me coach this year. Oh, uh, I didn't realize that part. Yeah, I thought I, it was I, that I, you didn't want to go back to coach there. No, I I would have coached that one year right. if, if they would have left me and, and I would have got a job somewhere else. Papa John's role in this thing. Talk he about went it. against the AD. Uh, I, I, Why? I, he was against me 100%. Why? There are a lot of... Political there, reasons you there think are a this lot of, is? Yeah, I, I think he's tied to the governor. Right. And I say in the book, right, the, the right. governor is involved in this. And the Cole brothers, you think he's involved with the... He's involved oh, he, with some political guys. So, yeah, okay, he's in yes. the Republican right. Party. Okay. And, and they're not... The Koch brothers aren't the reason I got fired. No, no, but he's, he's, but the governor, he's a player in the politics yeah, of it. And the right. governor is a player in this okay. whole thing because okay. he changed the board of trustees. Right. And the board of trustees knew they were going to get George and they were going to get me because they already got the president. So he, he was let go. But why'd they want you guys? The, the, you think they wanted you before this well, happened? Well, I say in the book, I, I know this happened. Junior Bridgman, who's a great player for the right, Milwaukee sure. Bucks, is back. Yes. Tom Jurich, the acting president, the chairman of the board, and Papa John all met with the governor. Tom, I know this because he told me, came back from the meeting and said, I went after the acting president big. He lied. I said, what do you mean? He said, he tried to say in front of the governor that he didn't know anything about the Adidas deal. Now remember, they, they gave a, Tom negotiated a $170 million deal. From Adidas. Yes. And those school lawyers who worked for the president put the deal together. So Drew said, what do you mean? Your lawyers, they wrote the fine print to the deal. How right. could you say you didn't know about it? They, they went back and forth. They argued. Junior Bridgman said to, to Grissom, the chairman of the board, you're polarizing our community. You're splitting us in half. And that's not good for our community. He says back, well, maybe I should resign. The governor says, no, no, no. And they, he, they then asked Tom Jurich and Junior Bridgman to leave the meeting. That was the end of Tom Jurich. After that meeting, that was the end of Tom Jurich. And you think Kentucky plays a role in this thing? The Kentucky-Louisville relationship plays a role in this thing? I think the governor is a Kentucky fan, became a Kentucky fan. Look, if you want to win the governorship, you got, you wanna, I, right, it's a Kentucky you, state. It's not Louisville. Right, I mean, we understand that. Do, right. do you know that the... The first guy to, uh, that was going to be the governor from Louisville had a nine-point lead going into, according to the Courier-Journal, I think a seven- or a nine-point lead. He got killed. 
Um, and well, listen, you've coached both places. You understand one is a religion. I mean, well, you've been in both places. I've been there a million times. Kentucky. Is, that, they control that, they, the state. They worship Kentucky in that state. Yeah, they Not control. Louisville. They worship Kentucky they, basketball. Louisville has their brand right. in their city. But Kentucky is Kentucky. Yeah. And even yeah. in the city of Louisville, right. it's, you know, 50-50. Right. Kentucky is it. I yeah. mean, that's it. I mean, they grow up worshiping Kentucky. That's what yeah, they care about. It goes yes. back. Now, you know that. You won there. You yeah. know how it is in it's, Kentucky. I, I, I say it in the book. It's the Roman Empire of They're the Yankees. Yeah. I mean, that's Exactly. It. Yeah, they exactly. are the Yankees. That's yep. what it is. You know the difference there. I mean, Louisville's got a great, have had a great program since Denny Crum coached there. I yep. mean, absolutely. And could beat him a million times. Didn't matter. It's still Kentucky basketball, right? Louisville was the number one revenue producer in college basketball 12 years with George and I. Blew everybody away. Blew Carolina Duke away because of the arena. The governor said to Tom Jurich, we want you to give back 2 or $3 million a year because the TIF money is not coming through for the arena. And Jurich said, no, no. I sold all the season tickets. I did all the marketing. I'm not giving back. That was our deal. Tom had to relent and give it back, but his relationship with the governor went bad because of that. So to clear the air here, you're going forward. Where are you with the FBI now? Do you want anything from the FBI? Do you want the FBI to say that, hey, we were wrong or we were this? Do you want any well, finding from the FBI or is I, that impossible I to get? I said to my attorneys, can't we sue the, the, you can't sue the Southern District that, of New York? Again, no, said, no, you cannot have, sue them. That's my right. lawyer worked right. at the Southern District of New York. Right. He says, no, they have total no, immunity. No, you can't sue them. I know that. So, but but can, you can get them, you can ask to have a finding that you were, that they... Yeah, but they don't say it. All the, they do is they don't indict you. They don't indict you. <laughs> Okay. Which they're never going to and do. And you have never been indicted, which we no. should say. And, and, right. and not one head coach has been indicted. No, none of them have. Larinaga's got an extension because he was mentioned right. with me. Right. The, none of the head coaches where their assistants were indicted. They got extensions. Steph Miller. Um, no, um, Sean Miller. I mean, Sean Miller, rather. Sean Miller. Me. Yes. Uh, Bruce Pearl. Who people thought was going to be out in a day, Sean Miller. Bruce Pearl the got tournament. a, right. Bruce Pearl got a um, five-year extension. Right. And God bless him. Right. But here's the interesting thing. They said Sean Miller had a um, uh, a conversation on tape. Right. They said they had it, which yeah. then they but, still nothing happened there. But he it. said he never spoke to them. He did. Yeah. He, so I don't know what's true and what's not, but the, the day before that all came out, they were talking re- reporting like Sean Miller was going to be out in 20 minutes. Yeah. And then he never got and then fired. And he came out and said it's a lie. They said it wasn't true. No, it wasn't true. So And the the uh, sports, not sports, ESPN writer never, said he stands by it, but we never heard from him again. Uh, about that story, and I'm happy that Sean's there, terrific young guy. I'm happy that Bruce Pearl got an extension. I'm delighted because Jim Laranega is one of the cleanest guys in the game. Uh, his, but his assistant coach apparently did something wrong. Now, in the book, you clobber all of us. You said we all jumped to conclusions. How would we not I didn't jump? Say you. Yes, you did. You said all I of said us. My except, no, you said all of us except Dick Vitale. So I'll put myself <laughs> okay, in there. No, I didn't you said mean you. <laughs> well, you can use me as an example because I'm saying, what the heck is Rick doing too? When the FBI comes out, we all think they know what they're doing. They're the FBI. We don't think the FBI doesn't know what they're doing. It's and you the know FBI. what? If I'm Mike Francesa sitting there, I would have believed the same thing about me. Plus, and it's twice else. in a couple of years. I think the whole place has gone haywire. No, I agree with you. If I'm a layman right. and I'm doing, the, I'm, I'm a media person, I believe Rick Pitino's doing the wrong things because this is twice. But let's go back. Right. I'm coaching. I'm a head coach 30-some-odd years. Right. I started Jeff Van Gundy, who writes the forward in the book, right. uh, off in business. No question. Okay? I have Billy Donovan Billy, no played question. for me. He, no he's question. my assistant. Tubby Smith. Well, um, 
27 assistants, right, who have gone Become, on. Have gone, now it's yes. 29. 29. First female coach, Bernadette Locke, who sat Absolutely. on the bench with Christian Leighton made that shot. Yeah. So a lot of really good people in the game have gone on no, to listen, prosper. You, you've had an incredible but career. In the last few years, um, I made two mistakes, and I've got, I've, I've got to own up to them. You've I, had a – you know, considering – listen, you've had a storybook career. If the only thing I would say that you probably didn't like was – you probably didn't have the NBA career you wanted. You left the Knicks early, and then the Celtic thing didn't work out for whatever reason. And you got beat up a lot in Boston for a guy who has a lot of talent. For being a great coach, they still beat you up a lot in Boston because they weren't happy with what was going on with the Celtics. But the rest of the places, you've been remarkable in what you've done. Winning at Providence, winning at Louisville, winning everywhere, winning championships. So we know what you've done. Have you been a brilliant coach? The Knicks won coach. the Atlantic Division no, championship from 24 said, games. I said you didn't stay long yeah. enough. That was the only thing. <laughs> you left too fast. That was it. That team was going in the right direction yeah. when you left. You know, I was working in this job when that's I was here when that happened. Those guys loved you on that team. You turned that team around like that. And we're still close today. Patrick Absolutely. and Mark. Yeah, those guys pushing close. the yeah. broom. They shouldn't have pushed the broom, but we all know. <laughs> I remember them pushing the broom, right? We, you know, you we got, did sweep Barkley in the did. sixes. You did. You did. Unfortunately, hey. Michael had, you know, a funny Michael, story. And Michael didn't like anybody getting in his way. A that funny was story thing. in the book Go ahead. Yeah. is where timeout. Their ball up one. Uh, we sweep the sixes. I tell the guys, look, I'm telling, I'm threatening my team in a good way. Whatever you guys do, I don't care if Scotty beats us. I don't care who beats us. Michael is not to beat us. Do not let him catch the ball. Put one guy in front, one guy behind. If if somebody else beats us, so be it. Sure enough, Michael, Michael beats us. We weird. go down and we go in and out. The other way, Johnny Newman misses a shot that goes in and out and and Michael Jordan puts me back in, in college hey, basketball. most single competitive person we've ever seen. You know, you know he might not be the great. Listen, it might be, LeBron might be as good as he, as he is. Nobody's as competitive as he was. There's never been a more competitive person ever than, than Jordan. He was just you crazed. Know, I'm sure you've had this discussion about the GOAT so many times. Sure. Now, I have, I'm, I'm, Michael's my favorite player. LeBron is the greatest. And by the way, a very cerebral basketball player can pass, but they're not the two for the goats. There's far in my estimation. Go ahead. Kobe Bryant, without question, is in that mix, and people keep forgetting a six-nine point guard who, when Kareem got hurt, went to the center spot and scored, scored like points. yeah. So if you don't put magic in there, you're they, mistaken. Listen, but you know this. You go back long enough. Russell, Chamberlain, Oscar, Jerry. They were all that kind of great. You could take that whole 10 guys and put any one of them. Bird, Magic, Jordan, LeBron, any of the guys we just mentioned, and then Wilt and Oscar and and uh, Russell and Jerry West. I mean, they're all yeah, on that level. That t- they're all on that There's level. There's a great story in the book. I asked Bill Russell. The team's not playing well. I, I take over a team that wins 14 games. I've got, I've got no center. And I asked Bill. I said, Bill, Bill's a tough guy now. you got to right, be careful around him. Yeah. Bill, you mind speaking to the team? Uh, I, I just they they just they play for stats. They don't play for the right reasons. Bill's all about team ego. I, I stole his line. He goes in and speaks to the team, but he shows up forty minutes late because of traffic. He shows up at six fifteen. We got to take the court at like seven. Sits back and starts one by one undressing these guys, but <laughs> in a good way. Right. He says to Kenny Anderson, who he knew in Seattle. He says, number seven, I remember you from Seattle. Yeah, uh, Bill. He said, seven, you know, you're an interesting guy, but you're nothing like Koozie. So Kenny looks at him. He says, seven, 
when they outlet you the ball, you hold on to it. You hold on to it. You hold on to it. And then you dish it at the last second. And I know why seven. You want the assist. See, Kuzi would advance the ball right away up the court. That's a great point. Then he goes, Petit, number four. Doesn't call him his name. Right. Four, you block shots and you yell. I did the same thing, only I blocked it, kept it in bounds. Someone needs to tell you, four, that it's the other team's ball still. Then he goes to Paul Pierce. You're an amazing rookie, 34. Doesn't call him a name. You're an amazing guy, 34, because you steal the ball like Havlicek did. Havlicek was a rookie, did the same thing. But after you steal it and dunk it, you know exactly where the cameras are. Havlicek never figured that out. <laughs> now, he gets, to, he gets to Walker, and he says, Eight, I played with you guys all my life, Eight. You want to shoot every time you come down the floor. And I know it. It's up to the rest of you guys to make sure Eight takes a good shot because he's not passing the ball. The last guy was Vitaly Potampico. I think he was 50. He says, 50, you don't trust Americans, do you? So first word spoken. He said, what do you mean, Mr. Russell? He said, every time you get a rebound, you wave your arms and flail holding onto the ball because you don't think they're going to mark down that rebound, do you? He said, but that's all you guys are. You're all stats. Assists, steals, block shots, points and rebounds. That's all you are. See, I'm different. See, I won 56 straight games as a college basketball player. Two national championships. Then I won an Olympic gold medal. And then with the Celtics, I won 11 world championships. Now, everybody's eyes are getting real big. And he says, and you know what? I let my team down because I got hurt when we were going for the 12th one. But you know, guys, I never cared about stats. Wilt did. Some of the other guys did, but not me. But then again, guys, you're all about stats. And I'm Bill Russell, and you're not. He's right. And he walks out of the room. How good is that? And now... We got 10 minutes to take the court. There's a quiet. I don't know what to say. I look at Jim O'Brien and say, all right, guys, get in. Let's go. And we played great for three games, but it was one of the most powerful speeches about team ego. That's the way he started off. I'm all about the team, the Celtics winning. I'm not about stats. You're all about stats. How good is that? Oh, it was an awesome, awesome 20 minutes. You know, uh, we're talking with Rick Pitino. His new book is out uh, today the, that he uh, wrote my story. Um and obviously, it's been a, a a tough year for him and your family, who's gone through a lot with this stuff with you and your family, which has gone through, you know, you've had a lot of great stuff in your life. You've had a lot of heartache in your life, too. So, I mean, so have I. So I, I know what it's like. So um, what's up now? What are you going to do now? I, you said you don't want to coach. I don't believe that. I still think I'm going to well, pick it up in a couple of months. Some desperate school's going to say, you know what? I checked, Patino's clean, and then there's Patino coaching again, and you'll take some ragtag team to 25-5. and five. I mean, because that's who you are. I think you'll definitely coach again. I'll be shocked if you don't. In your mind, you won't even give me that you'll coach a little bit? You know, today's the anniversary of my son Daniel dying in uh, Providence in 1987, right. and, and I went through that, and my team helped me get through that period, that Providence team. I'm still right. closer today. We lost Pop Lewis last year. Uh, who died and passed away. And I miss all the moments you're talking about because I couldn't have got, my wife and I couldn't have got through it without those players. Right. And those priests on that altar that, uh, that day of, of today, all those years ago. But I don't want to coach anymore. I wrote, I, I wrote you the book. You don't want to? No, I don't. I wrote the book for closure on a career. Okay. I wanted the truth to be told. And this book tells the truth. But 
I have such, I'm a very upbeat, positive person. I give motivational speeches to companies. I give it, I'm going to travel around and speak to Cincinnati next week and speak to other teams about right. getting the most out of a team's ability, playing for the name on the front and the back will prosper. I'll, I'll go around and give feedback to the coaches just to stay involved in the game. I don't want to coach right now because I have, I have a lot of bitterness towards the Southern District of New York. I have a lot of bitterness toward the board you of trustees. You used the word assassinated in there about three times. Hey, I've been – the guy called you up to ask you how you're doing, sitting at your big house down in Florida, which I don't know if you sold or not, but it was for sale. And that doesn't matter. You have a big house, you earned it. The point is uh, you said, I've been assassinated. That's how I feel. You still feel assassinated? I do. I, 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 the bitterness is gone. It's subsided. Not bitter anymore? No, I'm not bitter anymore because I, I – You don't want to, like, kill somebody for what went on? No. I'm very upset at the, for putting my name in that complaint. You didn't have any. You used me for publicity. Why? What? You you didn't know my career of what I've done for. At, is uh, is it your fault what went on at Louisville, or is it somebody else's fault that this happened? Is the kid at fault, and it's not your fault? You, you know, taught my, him well, or is it my, ju- or is it just that you had a kid who was just did the wrong thing, or is it your fault? Did you miss something? If I could have found out. Some way, so I, I would have corrected it immediately. Okay, but I didn't. I didn't know about it. Um, but I, I'm I'm the leader. Right. I'm the leader. I'm right. the leader of the team. Right. Um, and and I got to take responsibility for that. And I do take responsibility for that. Should I have been fired for that? No, I shouldn't have been fired. Um, we would have gone on. Uh, it's three Final Fours. It's a national championship. You upset that they ruined a good team? You might have had your best Louisville team. I, I, had, I had a veteran team. You had a really good team. I had a really good team that I thought. You had a bad loss the year before, right? It, it wasn't a good loss in the tournament. No. And then And then you knew you had a good team coming back. All coming back. Right. Great athletes, great length. Right. Seven foot, 6'11", 6'10". Right. And by the way, I don't, I don't mean to. Did that burn I, you because you had a good team? Yeah, but I, I don't want to derail a young coach, David Padgett. Right. He he was a young coach. Well, he's not you. That's not fair. Well, I mean, he's, he's not only been be in the you. business two years. He's not so, going to be you anyway. Yeah. You know, listen, you're, let's be honest. You're an all-time great coach. You're not like a good coach. You're a great coach. We all know that. That is a, that's a fact. That's not something to be debated. That's true. You're an all-time great coach. That's, that's just part of the deal. That comes with the baggage. It comes with everything else. You screwed up a couple times, but you're an all-time great coach. He's not going to be you. That's not going to happen. They, and let Tom the next Ju- ten coaches aren't going to be you. And let Tom Jurich and I fight it out with the appeals committee. To fight for what we believed in. Let, let, give us that right to do that. You know, don't, don't come in and you're not Louisville fans. You're, not, you're loyal to the governor and you're going to make a move on us without due diligence, without us. I mean, look, the Southern District in New York, I call it billions in the chapter. We right, they bring up the – you, know, you watch billions? I, I love it. I like billions too. Yeah, I, I, I watch billions all the time. I like it. I like he's, it. They say it's on Steve Cohen. It's a, but he's not – He's an unbelievable actor. Was great in Homeland. Oh sure, but he's not a oh, he's New great. York. He's Absolutely. not a New York guy. No, he's he, not. He's British. You, yeah, and you can you can yeah. just tell a little bit. But yeah. I get such a kick. He's out of really the, good. He's good, episode, and he was great in Homeland. He's the one great episode in Homeland. where he's he goes back and doesn't go to his birthday party. Him and his wife go to Yonkers Raceway yes, right. to watch the Trotters. <laughs> and he always goes back and has pizza yes. with the guy from yeah. the beginning because he goes back to his roots. Yeah, yeah it's so a, it's yeah, a great. Billions is good. Yeah, I love Billions. I agree. Two things: you got a kid coaching. How yeah. has this been for him? It's been, you know, none of my children, uh, my three oldest did not want me to write the book. My two youngest were fine. My wife wanted me to write it to get closure. They did not want me to write the book. They said, Dad, it's not going to do any good. You're not, the people who believe in you and love you are going to love you and believe you. They're the right. People, yeah. The people who want to believe you will. The people who don't are going to say he's lying anyway. No, no question. Right. But, 
but I had to get closure. I okay. had to tell the truth. Okay. This is my story in the Did book. Did you worry that it would affect your coach, your, your kid who's no, coaching? No. no, he's a okay. tough young man, and okay. he's, this book is nothing in it that's controversial. Okay. What's in this book is the truth of exactly what happened. The only thing that's not 100% the truth is? is I don't know if the governor told this guy to get rid of us. I know he was involved, but I don't know 100%. It's a conspiracy theory that all the people in Louisville think is true. What does Juris think about the whole thing? He thinks the governor was involved. Okay. Yeah. Now. Um, so the family, the younger kids were okay. The older guys didn't want you to write they, it. They just didn't want me to get hurt anymore. Okay. They, they how said, about your wife, who I've known for uh, as long as she, I've known you? So how about she that? She wanted me to go down fighting. <laughs> she did. Well, that's yeah. typical of her. That yeah. is, that is typical. She wanted yeah. me to go. She said, you're, you're a New Yorker. Right. Man, you fight for your reputation. You fight for your beliefs. Right. And uh, I don't, she wants me to coach again. She's the only one in my family that wants That's me to coach That's because she knows again. you've been anybody else. That's yeah. why she wants you to coach again. That's why I know you will coach again. I have no, I, I, if I could make a bet right now, uh, okay, uh, I would say absolutely you coach again. I don't even think there's a question you coach again. So that's just me. Now, um, you mentioned your wife and she wants you to do this. So this is where you started. You come from Queens, you know, you went to St. Dom's, Okay. Uh, so this is your roots. What do you want to tell the audience that's listening right now about what went on and where you are right now? Go ahead. Well, look, I take ownership. Uh, I want them to read the book. Read the book. Draw your. It's a. It's an easy read. Yep. It, and it's a good book. It, and it's got a lot of good, interesting basketball stories, like you fighting Roly, which is a great old story. I mean, that's a classic. Almost came to blows. That's a great story. Because Roly had what a temper he I had. I was set oh. up by uh, Jim Beheim and PJ Colissimo. Set up. Absolutely. He said, they kept telling me that Roly loves the pros right. and that you're coming as assistant coach of the Knicks there and that <laughs> Roly, Louie, and Beheim were going to get 12500 to do to do a McGregor ball deal. You, we're gonna, the rest of you are going to get 3500 <laughs> They didn't want to pay 3500 to the rest of you, but Roly negotiated Being the deal. Being nice enough to you cut you guys in. You stand up at this meeting, and you say that John, John Thompson had his own deal with Voight. You stand up and say, hey, Roly, uh, congratulations on winning the championship, but we're all in this together. We all should get the same amount of money. <laughs> I say to Beheim and PJ, why am I doing it? He loves the pros. He'll respect you. You're coming from UB. He respects UB, respects the pros. You got set up. So I stand up and said, hey, Roly said, look, guys, they didn't want eight of you guys. I convinced them to give you 3500 And um, so I stand up and I look at Bayham PJ, and, and Bayham hits me on a leg and says, go ahead, say something. I said, Roly, congratulations on winning the championship. I think we're all in this together. Unbelievable job in, in doing it, uh, winning the championship. But we all should get the same. He comes across the table and says, you no good young whippetack. Who do, you F do you think you are? I think you said I, it was not your championship. We all can win the championship. <laughs> no, I said, I said, you know, it could be PJ. Next year, it could be me. <laughs> PJ and Beheim have their hand, head in their hands. Hey, and Rolly's coming oh, across, he's coming the, across table. the table. Typical. The next day we play golf, uh, Dave Gavitt, who's the ultimate politician, right. puts me in the same car. He How hears funny about is this. That? I don't get in the golf cart. It's 100 degrees. I walked 18 holes. I lost 10 pounds. I wouldn't get in the golf cart with him. <laughs> Roley had some temper, boy. He was competitive. Uh, coach, as he was a good, coach. good game coach. Really good game coach. And you know what coach. was amazing about guys like him and Calhoun? They love it so much that he's coaching a Division three team That's like what he's I mean. coaching See, against. See, Calhoun me. couldn't stay away, he's, and he's a great coach and a fierce comp Same thing for you. You can't. 
Stay away. There's no way. Because I don't see you doing TV. It is an addictive thing. I don't see you you as an analyst. I don't see you doing TV. It's not not who you are. Guys can do that, but I don't see you doing that. I just, I think you're a coach. Some school's going to call, and you don't care where it is. First of all, I know this about you. You don't need the money, so we know that. So the question is, it's not being about the money. It's going to be, wow, you know what? I can go have some fun and coach these guys, and you'll have some ragtag bunch, and you'll get them to the NCAA tournament and have a ball. Well, if, if, if I live in the city now, if NYU calls and the coach <laughs> retires, I don't want to take his job. If NYU calls yeah. and I could live in the city and coach. There's some other schools that might have called from the metropolitan area, too. You never know. So, I mean, who knows where they'll call from. But, hey, so, listen, uh, the book, so right now it's about closure. But the, 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 this, your story is that you didn't do anything wrong. I mean, you, that's what you're telling everybody. Oh, I did you, something wrong no, in my no, personal No, no, but, I mean, life. you didn't buy any players. You didn't do any of that stuff that they're accusing you of doing. Well, I don't think uh, – the people in Louisville know the truth. Right. The, the two presidents that went out, right. the people in Louisville know that I'm dead set against right. doing anything like that. They, they right. know it. They, they've already forgotten that this lawsuit – they've already forgotten about – the FBI and that stuff. Gotcha. They, they're just talking about uh, uh, Andre McGee now. So right. everybody knows, every coach that's worked with me, um, they all know what I've preached, what I believe in. Coach K knows, uh, Roy Williams knows, Mike Bray knows. They all know what I'm all about. What was Buzz the hardest Williams. part of this? What was the hardest part for you to deal with? When the FBI walked into my office and told me this, they said, do you want a, an attorney? And they scared the hell out of me. Right. You know, I said, attorney for what? They picked up my two assistants, one at the airport, another one. And I said, what is this all about? And they told me. And, you know, Jim Gatto, the person that's been indicted, his dad, I don't know if you noticed, Mike, his dad coached in Monte Cristi in Queens, I believe. Right, was, uh, you mentioned that. Great guy. Great guy. And I knew Jim Gatto as totally legitimate guy, right. if he did something wrong, he wasn't doing it to help Rick Pitino in Louisville. He was doing it to help Adidas. He thought that that kid someday may be a great player. He wasn't doing I can tell you that right now because I know him for 15 years. He never lifted a finger to help me or the University of Louisville. He was only – you know most of the phone calls I had with him, I say it in the book, were about two things. Five times I asked him by email, will you send me those Yeezys I asked you for? The Kanye West Kanye sneakers. Kanye West I wanted the, uh, I forgot what it was called. They, they charge the, a lot of money for those things. Well, My the, kids are always talking. I said, I'm not buying you $15 sneakers. Well, every time I wore these Yeezys recruiting, it like, would hit social of media. Course, and they said, the people love So them. I tried to get these Lizard Yeezys. Yeah, they he cost says, like two grand. And he says, I can't get it. I can't get it. I kept saying, will you send me the Yeezys? And the other thing I called him about was Terry Rozier wore Nikes to a walkthrough. And it was reported that he had Nikes on. He, he just left his Adidas. He had Jordans. He, went, he lost his contract. I, I said to them, and it turned out to be true, I'm telling you, this kid's going to blow up. He's a great talent, this kid. D- get him back on contract. He's going to blow up the market. He's going to be a tremendous pro. And you, you, you yeah, he, watch what he did this year. They absolutely. called him Scary Terry. He did. Well, listen, I appreciate you coming in. Uh, the book is My Story with uh, Seth Kaufman. I don't have the book in front of me. What, who's, the, who's, the, uh, who's the publisher? Give me the publisher. Division, okay. So my Division story, right here in the city, by the way. That's it. My story, 
Patino, my story. Rick Patino with Seth Kaufman. The forward by Jeff Van Gundy. So and we're I, going to Huntington Thursday and Ridge, oh, Ridgewood uh, Wednesday. It's a great, that's a great old store out there. The 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 book store in Huntington on New York Avenue is a great store. So listen, uh, thanks for coming in. I appreciate well, it. Thanks for having me. Be well. Mike. Thank you, Rick. Rick Patino, back after this.